Hey friends, before we jump into this episode of Film on the Rocks, we just want to let you guys know that our Patreon is now in full swing at patreon.com forward slash film on the rocks. We have a $2 tier to become one of our drinking buddies, Water School 2. This includes early access to episodes, bonus episodes, polls for what we cover, and so much more. So come check it out. Once again, that is patreon.com forward slash film on the rocks. Check the show notes for our links. Death is only the beginning. I am proud of what I am. I am a librarian. (laughs) No more goat soup. (laughs) (laughs) You stupid superstitious bastard. What is a place like me doing in a girl like this? Hey, O'Connell, it looks like I've got all the horses. Hey, Benny, looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river. (laughs) Who said that no harm could come from reading a book? Today on Film on the Rocks, we are talking about the incredibly fun monster movie from 1999, The Mummy. Welcome back to another episode of Film on the Rocks. I am Brucker, and as always, I am joined by my good buddy, Levi. Levi, how you doing? I'm really good, man. I'm super duper pumped to talk about The Mummy today. I am too. This is kind of a favorite a favorite movie of mine, and today we are also joined by a very special guest. We are joined by Orlean from the Spooky Sisters Book Club podcast. Orlean, thank you so much for joining us today. Would you mind kind of telling us a little bit about yourself and your podcast? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I host a book review podcast called Spooky Sisters Book Club, where I review weird, offbeat, horror, sci-fi, really anything weird, especially if it has like nine reviews on Goodreads, but it's actually amazing. I am super excited to talk about The Mummy. Yeah, I um, I kind of had a poll out on Twitter to kind of help narrow down our selection of movies for August, and... I got, actually saw I got a tweet from you with a mummy gif, and so you're, you're I assume you're a big fan of this movie. I I am a super fan, although I've never looked at it critically like <laughs> I did for this. <laughs> I hope it didn't ruin it for you. <laughs> it's it's still just a great fun movie. You just can't look at it too hard. Definitely, uh, Levi. This was your first time seeing it, correct? It was. It was, what? and I you know I, yeah I had never seen it before, and I uh, I. I I just, weirdly enough, I did not grow up with movies that starred Brendan Fraser, really. Like, I I just, he was just not an actor that ran in the same circles as I did. I wasn't, like, avoiding him. I just, we just never really got acquainted with each other. And Please tell me, did you see Georgia the Jungle, at least? (laughs) No! No, What? No! No. Okay, I've I've seen clips. I've seen clips of it, but I... No, I, I never was like, okay, we're going to watch George of the Jungle. I would like see it on like I get it. passing through TV channels or whatever. Uh, but yeah, this was my first time really experiencing um, The Mummy. And oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Like I, the, well, the only experience I'd had with The Mummy just in general was I, I actually saw a couple years ago, I saw The Mummy, the, like the Tom Cruise version of the mummy when they were trying to do like the dark universe cinematic universe and build that all up Mm -hmm. and you know 
not that I want that to take precedent over this mummy, but the Tom Cruise version was terrible with like a super capital T. It was <laughs> terrible. Uh, and, and you know, I just if you want to watch it, go for it. It's not that great. But this movie was so much fun. I wasn't like I wasn't watching it being like what a feat of cinema, but I was like, <laughs> oh my, like for 1999 and it it's not great. being just like yeah, the special effects hold up pretty well, I think, and it's the acting was really fun and the writing was very funny. I, I really enjoyed it. Orlean, did you grow up with this movie or have you or did you kind of come to this late? No, I think I've seen this movie over 10 times over the course of my life at this point like i had my quotes without rewatching the movie <laughs> wow how many times i've seen it <laughs> i like i said i like kind of grew up with this my aunt whenever when i was a little kid i'll go over to my aunt's house she had this on vhs and i wore out that vhs copy of this movie when mm. i was a kid like i would that was as soon as i get there I'm like, i popped on the mummy this is such, mm. such a fun movie and actually when I started to think about actually doing this podcast. The Mummy was one of the first movies I had on my list to do. Really? Yeah. That's fun. And so this was just such a fun movie. And it's something I haven't really, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Orlean, about uh, looking at it with kind of like a critical eye, sort of. And honestly, it still kind of holds up even with that. I didn't really didn't find, there was some stuff I was kind of like, okay, this was, this was edited really good because there is some because it doesn't give you time to think like wait how do they get this or mm-hmm. how do they have this on their on their person but um yeah 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 but it's still just a lot of fun and I loved Brendan Fraser in this he was just I felt like perfect casting for him in this mm. yeah I don't understand how they got Tom Cruise for the reboot because I, I don't know what they were trying to do. Yeah. It seemed like they were going the opposite direction from this movie, but everyone loves this movie. Yeah, it was uh, have you Orlean, have you seen the new the newer mummy? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Brooker, did you have you seen it. it yet? No. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, in 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 essence, yeah, I mean, I think they were trying they were trying to do a whole universe. Like everyone ever since Marvel kind of put together this thing, this juggernaut of a of a universe that just has brought in piles and piles of money i think people have really been trying to create like try to create a whole genre a whole saga of mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. and you know dc's tried to do it they've been i they'll they'll get there eventually maybe <laughs> they'll figure but, it out one day yeah but the dark universe they they have spattered around and they you know whatever whoever was warner brothers or whoever who tried to put it together but they got tom cruise because he's a star they just i think they wanted some star power and Actually, they had to re-edit it because Tom Cruise, uh, the the mummy, the actual mummy, was getting more screen time or too much screen time, and Tom Cruise wasn't getting enough screen time, and That's so Tom Cruise reason. was like, "Do it again. I need more screen time." That's a dumb and it, thing. Uh, oh, it absolutely flopped. The, actually, the I think the bright side of that movie was uh, Doctor Jekyll, who was played by uh, uh, Russell Crowe. I, that was the bright spot for me, and even it that even there was sound real. <laughs> yeah, it does. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde are characters in this movie. It is wild with Tom Cruise. Like it's just yeah. a disaster. <laughs> yeah, but this movie is way better. Way, oh, way, yeah, way this, better. This way more fun. Awesome. And oh, this, yeah. um, so kind of like I, I'm totally on board with them wanting to build like a dark universe. I mean, I think how they're starting to go about it makes sense. I don't know if you two have seen the new in- The Invisible Man 
with Elizabeth Moss. Oh, not yet. No. It's amazing. And it's kind of, and basically they're not going to have, from what I've read, they're not going to have them intertwined. They're just going to have like mm-hmm. people just doing like passion projects. And so I'm excited for, I think like the next one on their docket is the Wolfman with, I think Ryan Gosling actually. Really? Yeah. He actually pitched okay. a script cause he actually wrote like a script for it. Like this was like a little like passion project for him. But, um, uh, I'm excited for that because I mean, like, if it's just being put in the hands of like creatives that are, like kind of making it its own standalone thing instead of trying to mm-hmm. intertwine it, I'm all for it. Um, this movie, this '99 Mummy, it's a definite remake of the classic Universal 1932 Mummy movie um, mm-hmm. with Boris Karloff as the Mummy, and I rewatched it as kind of like little homework for this and. It was really fun picking up all of the little like parallels between the 32 and the 99 because I didn't really get that this was a direct like or an exact remake. I just kind of thought it was more of like a, oh, let's do let's do a mummy movie for for, for mm-hmm. like fun. Uh, David, I'm sorry, not David, Steven Somers, the director of this movie, said that the 32 movie like scared him a lot when he was a kid mm. and he wanted this. I mean, this movie is scary at some points, especially when. Emotep starts to rise and he starts to pick people off, especially when they're in the actual like tomb. Like when he's going around, he is very scary during that. But his whole vision was we need to make this fun and funny and like just filled with action and not kind of not focus too much on the horror. We just need to make this like a fun flick that kind of like get that could just like get the focus of so many different people in this. And I felt like that he really nailed that. Yeah, yeah, I do too. And I mean, if that's it, it being a fun movie, I think that's what it was clearly supposed to be. I looked on the the Rotten Tomato score for it was a, a sixty tomato meter, which is technically what? it's technically it's fresh. It's I think so too. The audience score gave it a seventy five, uh, okay. which I, I I would say, I mean, it's not a perfect movie. Uh, I would give. I mean, I think. Dude, speak 70, for yourself. I think this is like nearly perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Do I, you really? Dude, I had a hard time not giving this four stars on Letterboxd because, I mean, like, wow. really, it's probably more like a three-star movie. But, I mean, I just don't see any legitimate points against it. Yeah. In my opinion. I think the the, the reason that it scored uh, the Rotten Tomato the, or the Tomato Meter or whatever, their, their reasoning was it's not like a feat of cinema, but it's a very fun and enjoyable movie. And so there you go. Um, which, you know, I, I think that, yeah, all, all things considered, especially it being 99 and now we, you can watch it all, over 20 years later and still be like, man, that looks good. It's not like, oh, this is so ridiculous. That's so fake. That's so, oh my gosh. You're like, oh yeah, that, that looks really good. Um, I think that it deserves to be, I think it deserves to be at least high seventies. I'd probably go low eighties personally, but I think like, that's, that's a, that's a fresh a very fresh movie, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know why people would give it a hard time. I think it's supposed to be a fun and enjoyable movie, and there's still some scary parts in it. It's not like a joke. It's like really, mm-hmm. really fun. I actually have in my notes that if you just read the script, you would say it was a horror movie, but the tone mm. and the music and the acting really pulls it up out of that niche. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if it was originally. I wonder what the if that was the original intention was to make it a fun movie or because the script you, you, I 
Orly, I would never have thought about that. Like, that is exactly what it is. It, if you take out the jokes and everything, you read it, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be, it's supposed to scare you. It is scary. I, that I mean, we'll get into it later with some mm-hmm. of my favorite scenes, but they're legitimately scary parts. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I kind of just realized I need to kind of go over some of the credentials for this movie. So this movie came out, The Mummy came out in 1999. This was directed by Steven Somers, who also directed the 1994 The Jungle Book. And he also directed The Return of the Mummy, which is the sequel to this movie. He also directed uh, Van Helsing. So he kind of got put in with all these like monster movies. This movie stars Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weisz, John Hanna. Arnold Vosloo, Kevin J. O'Connor, and Odette Fair. This movie had a budget of $80 million. It made over $43 million in its opening weekend, and it grossed over $415 million worldwide. Holy crap. This was wow. a huge success. Wow. Appar- it made half of its budget back on the opening weekend. That's insane. Apparently, the the next day after this was released, Somers got a call from Universal saying, we need another one the next day. Yeah. This was, I mean, I really think this is just the, I mean, this was during the time where if you put Brendan Fraser on the cover, everyone's going to see it. Like we, we talked about whenever we were doing our Jim Carrey movies. Like you see, there's movies out there that are not, the best movies ever, but if it's got Jim Carrey on the cover, you're like, oh, it's probably going to be kind of funny. I'll go see it. Like, I think this was just the Brendan Fraser golden age, and he yeah, was on the he, cover, and people wanted it. Yeah, because uh, David Somers, I keep saying David, Steven Somers said that uh, he he saw George of the Jungle, and that's actually what made him want to cast Brendan Fraser in this movie, because he was like, man, look at that hunk. We got to put him, we got to put him in an mm. action movie. Uh, so that's basically how he got this, and I watched some interviews with Brendan Fraser, and he's a very interesting guy. He's he's in this very nice, elite class of people that calls movies pictures. I found that out while watching <laughs> interviews with him. He kept calling movies that's, pictures. That's but funny. cute. <laughs> he said that he grew up watching fun movies like this. He grew up watching Robin Hood, Star Wars, Raiders. Like, and he, he So I felt like he was perfect for this because I had this in my notes that rick o'connell the character is like just amazing and he felt like a perfect mix between indiana jones and han solo both in attitude and wardrobe yeah like whoa (laughs) yeah it's so real definitely and he like really kind of got that like it since i guess since he he said he grew up watching those kinds of movies and he wanted to you know he would play you know like he would play indiana jones he would play you know han solo or star wars it just felt like him just be like oh man i just get to play and do this and mm-hmm. you know fight fight mummies um and he did such a good job i felt like he said that he was him and the other actors were worried that they were overacting because you know like when they were like really scream or freak out when they saw the mummy or like whenever he was fighting the mummies with like the sword towards the end of the movie because this was like the early, early like stages of not green screen, but like putting in like motion animated. Ca- yeah, well, not even motion capture. This was it was like uh, just putting in animated characters at the end at post. So like, like when uh, Brendan Fraser was doing those fights with the mummies, or when he yes. he was screaming at them, yes. there was they didn't have anybody there. He was literally right. just fighting nothing. It was just air. Oh. He just practiced you- choreography so intensely, and yeah. they're like, no, you and need you to like tell. be a little bit more exaggerated. And he was worried. Yeah. It would come off as cheesy because he he just felt like he was overacting. But it how, what ILM did with making the mummies and everything, it just it worked so well. And you can tell, like you can see, kind of how um, 
just just the just the swing of his sword there's no resistance there's no hitting against something mm -hmm. it's just kind of a fluid motion the velocity of it there's no kind of hitting a solid object so you can you can clearly again 20 years down the road where we have like this understanding you can't you know if you're really looking for it you can see it but if you're just kind of sitting back and enjoying the movie it's just Brendan Fraser beating up mummy soldiers <laughs> so it's like yeah you can you can kind of tell that that's what it is but it worked like i, I know it's hard to you, you know you hear so many people complain so many actors complain about not being able to act off of people i know um Ian McKellen whenever uh they you know started using more and more and more green screen for like the hobbits you know for because lord of the rings they did a lot of practical effects they still had some you know there's more cgi than you like realize but it's still very practical he would act with with other people but for a lot of ian mcclellan's you know interactions with the dwarfs or the hobbit or whatever he wasn't talking to anybody he was just talking to kind of so in some general direction or kind of by himself and he hated that you know it's like i, I don't get to play off of people's emotions or anything mm. and I, I think that's really hard to do and so i think I get, I get, uh, Brendan Fraser being concerned about overacting, being like, I don't want to overdo it. They're like, no, 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 you're gonna be good. Like, it'll look great. Just trust me. And it worked. I think that you know, it can be, it, it could go either way. But I think that he did a really good job. Definitely. And he, I will say, he did say he did kind of enjoy it for the sword fighting, because yeah. even though he said he felt goofy, but he said he liked it because, as opposed to like having like a acting partner with that, he didn't have to hold back any punches. He could really just like really muscle it, it and grunt and everything i don't have to worry about accidentally hitting someone so he said that part yeah. of it was fun yeah and it's funny you you mentioned this brooker about how you know they're like oh we got to get you saw george of the jungle it's like we got to get this beautiful man in this movie <laughs> like people are gonna love it i just see him and he just he's just such a goof to me i see him in movies and i like he yes he is very he is very handsome but i <laughs> i don't see him as like like ooh, he like he is a hunk. I was like, he is just such a goofball. And I, when I know Rachel my and I were watching, to differ. Just <laughs> I know my my wife begs to differ. When we were watching it, Rachel was like, Levi, I had such a crush on Brendan Fraser. Whenever it was like, like one of the people I was like, famous people I had a crush on. I was like, really? He seems like such a goofball. And he's she's like, but yeah, like, that's, that's the point. I love uh, yeah, I was like, what? Like no, but he. I mean, he's he's in really good shape. But he was like, yeah, it's like he's like nice and goofy and fun and also very attractive and i'm like I, I get that i guess i get that but uh i mean it's different than like you know we uh when we watched uh the losers and idris elba's on screen he's like oh idris elba i'm like oh i get that like that guy is <laughs> idris is beautiful but like brendan fraser i'm not like oh brendan fraser he's beautiful i'm like he's just a goofball which i guess is the appeal i think that's just his roles he was mm. in so many goofy silly movies that's like his whole thing Mm -hmm. is taking a serious movie and like goofing it up did he walk so that way ryan reynolds could run is that was <laughs> was, oh was he just, like the 90s ryan reynolds yes. even though yes. he, ryan reynolds was making movies in the 90s but, but that's but like if you had put brendan fraser in starring hunk roles we would see him differently hmm. i totally get that uh he's one of those actors i wish we saw him more stuff um it's i yeah. think he had to stop acting because he like really like messed up his back doing these mummy movies because he did a majority of his own stunts and yeah. i also kind of read something uh in an article somewhere that he stepped away because of kind of like the sexual harassment that will go on and yeah. i think I he said that like he was groped or something one time 
Yeah, yeah, he he was, and he what he did was he stepped out and spoke about it, and so he like he he called people out. He said, "Oh yeah, that you know, I I won't say names because I'm not 100 percent what the people were like, what their positions were at the time, but like high ranking people in the film Hollywood industry." Uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, that guy groped me, and that guy took advantage of me, and all this stuff." And so he he was essentially blacklisted, you know, to to use a term, the Hollywood term, for mm -hmm. a while because he called out the people in power. And so people stopped stopped casting him because in a lot of ways, up until I mean, up until recently, and like you, the Me Too movement, and all this stuff, like people had to just they're like, okay, if you want to star in this movie, you got to do me a favor. Like it was mm. like it still is a very, you know, powerful people are still taking advantage of people not in power. That is still happening, obviously, and it's a fight that we're still fighting. But we're we're finally kind of people are taking it seriously and being like, oh yeah, people like Harvey Weinstein and and, and that are like were very very powerful and people had to do things they didn't want to do in order to be famous and it kind of it was like par for the course and it shouldn't have had to have been um but like he he was one of the brave souls who kind of stepped out and was like oh yeah I was I was taken advantage of and he sacrificed his career for it um but apparently he's been in a couple films since then so he's like slowly coming back into He's on a couple kind of TV shows Hollywood. right now. Oh uh do uh what's Doom Squad Doom or Patrol. uh Doom Patrol, yeah, the DC, the DC show, which apparently he's crushing it. Well, I think Brendan Fraser, I definitely think the Mummy. Really, I kind of just associate him as Rick O'Connell. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if y'all saw this, but Leonardo DiCaprio was actually offered this role. No, really? Yeah, before Brendan Fraser. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was offered the role, and he actually couldn't because of a conflict because he was making the movie The Beach. I don't see it. I'm trying to picture Leo in this movie and it just feels wrong mm -hmm. yeah he yeah have the he, same persona he doesn't carry that like like physical i don't want to say dominance because right. that doesn't but seem like, like he's not the physical threat dominating. that yeah yeah no. yeah so i think he could fight off a mummy <laughs> no i, I think don't he either. could persuade a mummy to turn around after someone else but sure. i don't think that he... yes yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Well, before we get into the drinking rules, we're kind of going to go ahead and do our fun little supporty segment. I felt like that there was lots of people in this movie that could have definitely used some motivational uh, <laughs> motivational or accountability assistance, whether you know it was Emotep, be like, hey, you're checking out oh, those yeah. boxes so you can raise your dead girlfriend. Uh, you know, Rick, like, hey, man, are you stopping <laughs> Emotep? Because you got to be on top of that. And same thing with Oded Fair character, the Magi. They had a protect uh hominoptera you know they had to stay lots of lots of people very important task and sometimes accountability helps the whole idea of supporty yeah. is that they partner you up with somebody that uh, uh helps you stay motivated and y'all come up with a really good plan to address this and it's personalized so y'all come up with a plan one-on-one you talk through their app kind of like texting and you also helped that person is y'all helping each other out stay on task with their goals um supporty is really awesome accountability service you can head over to get or download their free app today in the apple or google play store and tell them that film on the rock sent you levi did you kind of think of anyone else that could have used some uh, accountability in this yeah i thought about the americans like the <laughs> the american kind of uh, explorers mm -hmm. like they just i mean they they clearly kind of had their priorities mixed up and if uh, what like what was their goal were they trying to get rich were they trying to be discover things like what i really think they could have had someone to really help them process exactly what they were trying to do with their with their time and their money 
I don't know. I think they could have used an accountability partner. They have someone to be like, all right, well, here, here's what, here, let's, let's figure out what it is you're trying to make. And let's think of steps to make that, to make that goal. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely something that they could have had. I've used supporting before. I was partnered with someone named Natasha and we came up with a really good plan for me. We decided to meet twice a day, go over my to-do list. And it was really fun and easy. And it's not like a super pressured that it's not like they're demanding. It's all positive reinforcement. So Head over to getsupporty.com or download the free app today. Tell them Film on the Rock sent you. Now, we can move on to the main event. So great. Let's talk about drinking rules. Uh, Levi, would you like to lead us off with some drinking rules? I would love to. Um, I'm going to save – I'll save my best for last. Um, Okay. I've got got one specifically that I'm really excited about that I thought was just so good. First one, uh, whenever there is a creepy gust of wind – Take a drink. Spooky um, wind. There, That's a good one. Yeah, spooky spooky wind is all over the place in this movie. Um, you just the gust and the, they stop and they listen or yeah, it's it's very noticeable and how many times it happens. Um, so anytime you see spooky, creepy gust of wind, that's that's a drink. Um, whenever there's a plague. Uh, you, you kind of see this reference to the ten plagues and, and the, the the Egyptian plagues of of Exodus and they. Uh, you know, anytime there's kind of a reference, it's like, you know, hail from fire from the sky or, you know, locusts or, you know, whatever. Take a drink. Whenever someone – this happened way more than I was expecting because I was expecting this movie. Again, it's like fun and it's exciting. I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun movie. There are a lot of people that died in this movie, like a lot. Got to kill so any, for sure. Yes. Anytime someone gets killed off, take a drink. There's a lot of people. And there are people that I was not expecting it to get killed off that did get killed off. Uh I mean, all the Americans, which I was honestly not expecting. Their tour guide got killed off, which I also was not. I, I guess part of me kind of thought that would happen, but I don't know. It felt there was like a like a Jeepers Creepers moment for like mm. he took his eyes out. Like, oh, my gosh, it was so creepy. Uh, but, yeah, whenever someone gets killed off, take a drink. Um, whenever uh, O'Connell screams or yells or <laughs> cries out in some capacity, a take one. a drink, which is, a, which is a lot like either, um, like what my favorite one was, I think it was the, uh, I can't remember the order, but he like yells and screams at, um, Imhotep where he, he holds up. It's like, yeah, then he screams back and he, ah, and he sprints <laughs> and runs so out. It's, it's great. Yeah. It, but that was so, that was so funny. Um, and it felt very on brand for, for, brendan frazier but yeah so i mean that's check out for that one if you want to finish your drink whenever uh Imhotep screams back and he screams at him that's that i'll count that as well um my favorite drinking rule is every time this it just is so funny this like dual wielding pistols kind of continuous thing mm-hmm. that they've got going on where he it's not like one gun he pulls out both and it's not like boom shoot the guy and he's gone it's like unload your pistols <laughs> and uh, like it's one dude and it's just bah, 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 like six bullet wounds and then you oh gotta reload like anytime you can do it either way either every time someone just like fully unloads two pistols into somebody or anytime you see someone holding two pistols and shooting into someone whatever you're more comfortable with but that was so funny to me just you know this very american like it was there's mummies 
you know, cowboys, pistols, like, let's do this, boys. Like, it was so funny to me. I love it because it was um, kind of like O'Connell's, like, whip, of, like, for, like, Indiana Jones. It was, like, dual wheel yeah. and stuff, whip. He had that. I love it. Yes. Which, and even with Indiana Jones, you you don't see him use a gun a ton, but the one time you do, it's just, like, one bullet or, like, a couple shots, and then mm-hmm. he puts it away. But, like, Brendan Fraser is just unloading pistols into people. Uh, so yeah, that was my last one. Every time you see someone wield du- dual pistols, take a drink. Okay, so I had one similar one, which was drink whenever someone has to reload their old guns. <laughs> it happens a lot. And I was even noticing, mm. like, oh, right, it's 1925. No advanced technology here. Yeah, I at least appreciate them by acknowledging yeah. that they do have to reload, that there's not oh, this totally. endless clip. <laughs> also kind of similar drink whenever people aren't scared about what's about to happen when that wind goes they sit there mm. and they're like okay so back <laughs> to our adventure <laughs> the, the, they're ignoring <laughs> the signs yeah yeah like the, you're in a horror movie and you don't yeah. know it <laughs> that's great yeah don't um, go in the basement why are you going in the basement yeah and then they pause for a second and they're like is that a basement <laughs> cool like that's this movie <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah also I think my favorite one is drink whenever Rick actually realizes that Evie is super attractive, no matter what terrible things mm. they're doing to her hair or clothes. <laughs> yeah, yep. there, there's definitely like some turning points where he, there's like one point like he gets nervous talking to her or whatever. Right. There's all these little like, there'd be like la la music behind it in a different movie where he's like looking into her eyes and oh my God, she's actually like really beautiful. <laughs> It yeah. happens multiple times. Yeah, at least they didn't do, since she's a librarian, at least they didn't do the thing like she just takes off yeah. her glasses and he goes, oh, oh my gosh, you have a face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't realize you were beautiful. I just thought you were a librarian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad they didn't do that either. That's it. That's all I've got. So uh, I like all those rules. That's great. I had uh, Levi and I overlapped some. I had spooky wind as one. Yeah. I also had <laughs> spooky wind. Every time O'Connell's dual wielding. One that will get you pretty toasted in the first, like, 15 minutes of this movie is every time they say Hamanoptera. Oh, no. Yep, yep, that'll do it. <laughs> yep, 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 they say that a lot. Um, I also had whenever, every time that Emotep does, like, his wide mouth opening thing, whether it's a mm. sand face or, like, his actual person uh, doing it, uh, take a drink every time that happens. And I also had... Fi- uh, Oh, I did have a finish your drink line, and this was, Good. I think, the best line delivery of the entire movie. It's when they're in Cairo, and Emotep, I think, has fully regenerated at this point, and he's cornered all of them, and he takes uh, Evie, and when he takes Evie, O'Connell looks like points his... Uh, points his torch at him he goes i'll be seeing you again and it's like a very like 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 that you, you could take that to the bank it was just such a great line delivery i'm not doing it justice but i was when he yeah. did that i was like fuck i'm gonna be late for this like i like i I, <laughs> I, I immediately got like oh shit am i supposed to be somewhere right now like did i is he mad at me the audience that i <laughs> it was great. i love it yeah so finish your drink when rick uh, tells emotep i'll be seeing you again it's such a great line delivery that is a good line. I, I almost put a couple other words that I thought about putting for drinking rules. Like if they, you said, uh, if they say like mummy or book, they say book a lot. Uh, if they say Imhotep, that's a that lot. dangerous. Bu- <laughs> it's very dangerous. Especially and with the, the, the... With bugs. Like, 
also oh, no, say the Emotept one is really dangerous because when like his hive mind or whatever is coming through uh Cairo, they're all like oh. chanting Emotep yes. for like Yeah, five exactly. Minutes. You're like, okay, all right, one more. Oh I'll keep going. Yeah. <laughs> any and anything with the bugs, like if it's like oh, every time you see bugs, yeah, the scarabs, like you see the scarabs or they mention the scarabs or something, like there is a lot of, of that too but i was like you know what that might be yeah the emotep one i had originally i said you know what that feels like a suicide mission we might not we probably shouldn't do that the scarabs honestly scared me the most when i was a kid i thought i was so disgusting oh crawling around in their skin yes it's so scary yeah i didn't like that and i I will say that was the one special effect that didn't hold up like the the bulge under the skin it kind of just looked like a piece of baloney was on them just crawling up their face Oh, oh really? I thought I thought, okay. I thought it was pre- yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Oh, maybe it was like so. I rewatched this first on renting it through YouTube, and I thought, oh, this looks fine. Then I watched it last night renting it off Xbox. I was like, oh my gosh, this looks horrible. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there was like a high def difference or not, but um, yeah. yeah, the the bugs kind of didn't hold up to me. But yeah, those were those were the scariest part of the movie to me when I was a kid. I also, I mean, another rule that you could have that I'm just thinking about right now. I forget his name, but the pilot that randomly comes in, like Winston. the general that the Winston. Whenever he gets taken out, pour a little bit out. That broke my heart. I love Winston in this. He, he's and Winston is awesome. There's an old soul left over from the war, wanting to die in glory. Yes, and I love the line he has when he steps in the fountain. He's like, "Somebody spilled their bloody drink." <laughs> He was the unsung hero of the movie. He really was. Uh, good, good drinking rules all around. Really like that. Um, let's yeah. let's kind of move on to favorite scenes. Orly, since you are our special guest today, what uh, what scenes uh, kind of stuck out to you? Okay, so first of all, before we get to the really scary ones, the Americans ending up on the wrong side of the river <laughs> is just one of my favorite scenes. It's great. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's short, but it's funny. And it's really effective. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just Great makes me writing. laugh every time. I really like how the cheesy scenes, it's like they knew they were going to be cheesy. And that's part of the appeal. Mm-hmm. Like everyone went into it with like, cool, this might be cheesy. Let's do it. Definitely. I think what makes it work too is that it's a Benny that yells to O'Connell. And it's not like one of the Americans that does it. It's yeah. it's like his arch nemesis. It's like his frenemy. Yeah. Yeah. I did not definitely get this. Frenemy. Like they've definitely committed crimes together in the past. <laughs> definitely that's a really good one i guess going off of that one of my favorite parts of the movie is the whole cruise ride or boat ride Mm -hmm. part just everything on this was just so much fun like honestly i could have just just hung out on the boat the whole movie and just been so content Mm -hmm. it was just a lot Mm -hmm. of fun because you know we're seeing rick be kind of he's really funny and he's kind of like just manhandling jonathan a bunch throughout this and everything and i love this I, f- I guess we'll talk about it later on when we get to the message of the, of the movie but just you know the americans playing poker and the magi sneaking on and this is where like rick and evie kind of start to make some 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 sparks with each other it was it was just a lot of fun yeah i i had the boat scene as well um and i'll just kind of tag on to that because i thought i thought the fight scene on the boat was really really fun um because it's all it's not like us versus them it's still it's it's kind of this multi-layered fight where it's the the americans are trying to get there before o'connell and evelyn and jonathan and all them they're trying to beat them there still but they're both trying to survive they don't want to kill each other they just want to beat them there Mm. and then but these people are trying to stop them and so it's kind of this it's like three 
three to four different groups that are kind of competing with each other for different purposes. And I, I don't know. It was just kind of this layered situation. And it made it fun. It wasn't just it wasn't just kind of a black and white like us versus them. Mm-hmm. It was this group, this group, this group, all kind of competing for different things. Yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed everything on the boat. Plus, yeah. it kind of it was the first real development of Evelyn and O'Connell's kind of relationship Mm -hmm. uh, where you kind of, you see Evelyn kind of crushing on O'Connell a little bit and O'Connell kind of completely unaware of what's going on. And you see him kind of catching glances a little bit. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a good time of development and a really cool fight scene. I do love that line that she gives to O'Connell when he lays down all the guns. She goes, are we going into battle? Like, (laughs) It is really good. Um, I'll, I'll since you said boat scene, I'll, I'll add this scene to it. I, I really, really enjoyed the, the kind of the, the sessions of the dig, like when they're at the site and they're digging together, and it's kind of again like the Americans and this our our kind of ragtag crew, being like, okay, we're laying claim to this. Okay, well we'll be over here, and and you see Jonathan like with some sort of bone or whatever, like pretending to golf and them kind of engaging in like real conversation and really trying to figure out what's going on, which that scene, I think in a lot of cases would be moved past really quickly and would just be, okay, we got to get through the dig so that we can get to the book so that the mummy can come and so that we can get to the meat of the story. But we, you know, and yeah, for most situations, it might be like a transitional scene, but it was a, scene that they took a lot of time with and it humanized our characters and it kind of allowed us it was character development disguised as a transition and Mm. i really i really really enjoyed it it felt real it felt genuine i thought the writing was really good i thought that the the relationship part of it there were a couple quippy things and them kind of interacting with each other i really enjoyed that scene that scene, what it does really well is we have these archetypes and we need to give them conflict. And that scene actually makes them people with real conflict and like real anxieties and goals as mm-hmm. opposed to just these like, oh, that's kind of like Han Solo or that's kind of like Indiana Jones. Mm. Like it, right. it makes them more real. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, that, that's a good point. Yeah, I really like that. And it's also kind of giving some more because I think during this, isn't Evie kind of giving some like historical context or like like some like background yeah. on like the whole mummification yeah. process and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then she also goes into like her personal history and she's opening up to him and they're like starting to build a bond just as people, you know? Yeah, definitely. She kind of like tells about how her father loved Egypt so much he married an Egyptian. Is that right? Yeah, this was a super weird part of it. And I don't know how deep we want to go into that, but but like super weird just to be like, yeah, my parents essentially dragged us around to digs for our entire childhood. Cool. Now I'm an Egyptian expert. Yeah. Either really awesome parents or really not awesome parents. I can't right. decide. Yeah. It's either one of the two. Apparently in the novelization of this, they give a lot more backstory of Evie's parents and like what actually happened to them and everything. And apparently, mm-hmm. there's like way more to it. I I didn't read it, but apparently that that's out there for, for people. But uh, <laughs> so I don't know how far we want to jump around in no, the movie. No, feel but... free. Yeah, jump jump away. Okay, so my absolute favorite scene is in the hotel room when Imhotep is still like rebuilding himself and he's having tea with the American who has just lost his eyes. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, I mean, this is the horror movie moment to me where you mm-hmm. get chills as Benny is saying, 
He thanks you for your eyes and your tongue, but more is needed. Oh my god, yes. it's so fucking creepy. Fuck Benny, gosh, oh like gosh. it's. <laughs> also, if a friend of yours has lost his eyes and tongues, I'm not going to just leave him alone. Like so they you just can go get a drink. Yeah, they just left <laughs> yeah. him in this apartment or not apartment, a hotel. It's I was kind of like, what? Where, where's your friends? What are they doing? <laughs> this guy I now also... needs to be babysat. Yeah, I also don't know why the expedition was not absolutely over at that point. Like, oh my gosh, we can't explain why, but our companion not only doesn't have eyes anymore, but his tongue got cut out. There's nobody down here, but for some reason it happened, but we'll just keep the dig going. I don't know why it didn't stop there. Like, the authorities are called, an investigation happens, governments are getting involved because for some reason (laughs) this guy's eyes and tongue got cut out, and he's still alive, and he can't tell, you know... He's like, it's a mummy, or it was a spirit, or whatever. Like, that's terrifying. Also, shouldn't Emotep need glasses after taking his eyes? Because he had to wear glasses. <laughs> no, he's magic. He's a magical <gasps> priest. Oh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that's the, that's how you get around it. Wait, doesn't this... It doesn't make sense. Like, I love how it's like, a mummy is being raised from the dead, and you're like, wait, shouldn't he wear glasses? And you're like, no, magic. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just sucked them out with his mouth, but he needs the glasses still. <laughs> yes, he yes. literally like remade his own skin. There's magic. I guess so. I mean, so crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, I guess kind of like the, the hotel scene uh, that you were talking about back in Cairo. I loved just kind of like just branching off of that. I just loved every time we like, just Emotep just picking off the the American team. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. they're the ones that are actually cursed because they opened up the. The, I don't know the casings, but um, yeah, I just loved all of this him hunting them down, and this there's also this is kind of like intercut with this amazing scene where Benny is kind of looting one of their hotel rooms, and O'Connell walks in, and he just picks up this chair with one arm and throws it across the room yeah, and that's hits insane. him. Kids in the back. I mean, it was amazing. And my girlfriend was just completely swooned by that. Like, she was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you can't see Leo throwing a chair across a room no. at somebody. He could do it, like, over his head, kind of like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got to take a couple of breaths first. He, like, bends his knees. He's like, okay. <laughs> and then throws across the room. Jonathan, yeah, help me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't lift this chair. But oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Good good chair throw. I loved it. Uh, what about you, Levi? Good chair throw. Uh, the the last scene to go along with the dig and the boat fight uh, that I, I had, I really enjoyed the opening scene, kind of getting the context for what was going on. I Yes, I really enjoyed that. I It kind of, again, going into this movie thinking it was going to be this, like, goofy, bad CGI, kind of, like, cult classic kind of movie. And then we see this, like, wide shot of, of Egypt and the, you know, the vastness of it and them kind of giving a history. And it was really, it was really good. Yeah, it just was really, really enjoyable. Uh, the, the, the Yeah, the story, it made the story compelling and the, the shots of, of kind of the, uh, what's her name? Taking, like, stabbing herself. An by, like the sh- Yes, the, 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 the shadow and everything. I mean... It was just really good. I, I thought that that made the story that much more compelling. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of that that's kind of the make or break point. A lot of times in the movie is like if you're setting a prologue, if you're giving everybody context, and it's this big long story. Oftentimes people can ch- either check out or really dive in at that point. And be like, oh, that's ridiculous. But I, like I, 
I was invested. No, it was really good. I liked it too because it gives us our motivation for Emotept because he's trying to raise his girlfriend. Um, right. Or his love, I should say. Um, so yeah, I really liked that. And that was something that Arnold Vosloo said when he was approached for this part. He said that he'll do it, but he doesn't want to have any comedic parts. He doesn't want any jokes because mm. he said like, Emotep, this is like something serious to him. This is... His motivation is something very real. Like, it's about love mm. to him. And so he, he... And also, like, he won't be scary if he's cracking jokes throughout the movie. Yeah, I agree. And I like that he took it serious because our villain is a real villain with motivations. Mm-hmm. It's not just this, like, oh, something dead came back and we're scared. <laughs> you know? Like, he's a real villain who wants something and he's trying to get it. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I completely agree. It was... I've said this a bunch on this show, like, you know, it, the movie really suffers if the villain sucks and this villain doesn't mm-hmm. suck. And he, like, he's actually, mm-hmm. well, he does suck a little bit, if you, if you, you know, <laughs> wink, wink. But he, uh, he, yeah, he cool. he's, uh, he's, uh, he, he was just really good. And I loved this. And Arnold Vosley was just really, really, really good. Yeah. Mm. I do have to bring up one wild scene. I don't know if Please anyone do. can explain this, but why would an Egyptian priest bring about biblical plagues? That's the only thing that when we got to the point, I was like, wait, what the fuck? How do these go together? That's a really good point. Huh. Right? Um, and again, again, I've never watched this movie critically, so a lot jumped out at me. <laughs> that's who was... Remind me Remind me this, because I, I, I have a very stretch answer. Just you mentioning, I'd be like, why would that happen? What was the... Who was the pharaoh or the, the king of, of, of Egypt... Ramesses. Ramesses the second? First? I think so. Second? Okay. So there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of debate on which, uh, uh, not, I guess there's a little debate on exactly which Pharaoh was Pharaoh while, like, the, the story of the Exodus was happening. I believe, don't quote me on this. I guess it's on a podcast, so people will, but like, but like, it's, yeah, yeah, keep me, keep, you know, I, I'm, I'm not 100% on this. I believe it was Ramesses the second, I think. I think it was, that was the one who was during, I'll have to double check that. But it might, I know that the, the significance of the plagues was kind of this, um, the, the, the Hebrew God kind of showing his control and his power over, the Egyptian gods, and it was this kind of, this not only bringing low, but kind of this shame of these gods that the Egyptian, like, the Egypt was the most powerful empire of the day, like, by far, and you have this small group of kind of nomadic people whose god just utterly humiliated this empire's, like, power structure, and so maybe it was kind of a, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe it was, like, this idea of kind of using something that humiliated their people to humiliate mm. another people. I don't know. I, and I doubt that they thought too much about that, but I don't think they it was thought this much. But. Yeah. I could definitely <laughs> like if Steven Somers could be like a fly on the wall for this conversation, be like, Oh, that's totally what I meant to do. Yeah, that's exactly definitely. what yeah. I was nailed it. To do. You got it. I, I definitely assume it was lazy and they were like, think about Egypt. And someone was like, plagues. Definitely. <laughs> like, that's probably what happened. But uh, it just, that's one of those things that you can't look too hard at it. Or you start to trace that, like, oh, maybe this isn't the tightest plot ever. 
Yeah. And also, mm. the plagues kind of seem semi-inconsequential in this movie. Like, it's kind of right. like... It's supposed to end the world, right? Like, yeah. that's what he is eventually working towards. Yeah, I also, like, want to know, like... So, they show, like, the water turned into blood, but, like, did that happen everywhere? Like, or right. was it just... The in... Nile wasn't full of blood in this movie. Yeah, so right. I was kind of... That's kind of something that, joined, that like popped out to me too. I was like, "Oh, it was like, oh yeah, we did it." It was kind of like them just checking off the box, right? Did that time? Very to localized plagues, just at the hotel. Yeah, That's the kind of yes. He had. <laughs> Fuck this I hotel what, in particular. <laughs> I wonder what that hotel did to piss off. Like, it, like why is it that hotel? I mean, I know they're this there. This was before but, like, Yelp reviews. So before Yelp yeah. reviews, you sent plagues. So. This was the only was that, thing you could do. That was their way to pr- to show how much they didn't enjoy it, as they were like, "This place is terrible. Send the gnats." Now I'm like picturing Emotep, like it, like in like robes, like conjuring like spirits, whatever. Like, won't let me speak to the manager, will you? And he's like, <laughs> that's amazing oh man but yeah that was just a very strange like huh why i wonder but um, we could hand wave it away he wanted to use something destructive one thing that like stuck out to me that wasn't so much like plot point just like this was such a like like they just had to give him a reason to get out of his chair but it was when the two of the like americans are still alive this is when emotep is now going around killing people but two of the americans one of them goes i'm gonna go down and get a drink and his buddy goes, hey, uh, will you get me a glass of bourbon? And a shot of bourbon. And a bourbon chaser. <laughs> and he kind of is doing this. And his friend's yelling at him. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll give you your bourbon chaser. And he's like, geez, close the door. And I don't know. That this, that like progression of like a glass, a shot, and a chaser. And I was, <laughs> was kind of like, what is going on with this man? Yeah, I, I feel like this movie is almost like a pulp novel. And like those kind of scenes fit perfectly into it. Like the daily color kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, any other uh, scenes or uh, parts of the movie that y'all want to bring up? So, I'm torn on Jonathan's so. character. Oh, yeah. I, I really like his character, but if you think about it for two seconds, like, he's just a fucking looter who's selling these treasures to anyone and he doesn't even care. And it's a, it's a strange... There's no redeeming part to him. He's just funny. But yeah. you still like him until you think about it. It's... I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's kind of annoying to me. Uh, I think like the main thing, he he's the pickpocket in this, and that's like the only thing that he yeah. like. And that's something I never caught on until I watched it for watched it for this podcast because like there's like a part where, you know, he says he stole the key or picked it off of O'Connell at the beginning, and then O'Connell like checks his wallet when they first meet again, and then he steals, what was it? I, I think it was that he stole the book key back from Emotep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so that's his value. <laughs> yeah, he makes things worse. <laughs> like, I mean, the other way to say that is he moves the plot along. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it, it, that's one of those things where it's like, oh, he just like steals from everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I did, I did my research. Uh, the, two, the two reigning theories on who the pharaoh, like the leaders of Egypt were during the time of like Moses and the plagues and stuh like that. It was either Tutmos the Third and his son Amunhotep the Second, or it was Seti the First and his son Ramesses the Second. So there are two reigning theories with it, because like again, like a period of of decades or what have you. So there you go. Thank you're so welcome, much. world. But why would an Egyptian priest who yeah. really has like bought into their mythology and religion? That's just my overwhelming question. Would he even believe that the plagues happened? Was he alive before or after? 
so many questions. Like, you can't look too hard at this movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. See, now I have. Now I feel like I have to do research because now I'm so curious why that would. Yeah, why that would be the case? Like, even in the best circumstances, if, uh, you know, because it like like they did at a time they a lot of the Egyptians were like, oh my gosh, this god is real. Like we've been like. You know, they still believe their gods were real, but they were like, oh, my gosh, the Jewish God is like this big, powerful God. Oh, man, we're screwed. Even if they even if he subscribed to that belief, why would he if he's the priest, like the head priest or whatever? Why would you say, you know what? I'm going to subscribe to this. Like, yes, I'm going to use the stuff that these Jewish people who like kicked our butts. I'm going to use that. Like, why would you or you'd be like, no, 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 our way is still better. I would imagine that he would be like, no, 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 no. Like our, our the way that we do things are still better. I don't. Yeah, there's a yeah, little bit of cross. magic brought him back. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> why would you give this like salute to the to the people who? It's yeah, so I don't strange. know. That's so interesting. It's, I don't. Sorry for this like rat hole. No, 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 I love it. Fine. I yeah. love it that you put some like some real. Co- I'm, I'm going to do some research into it because that is <laughs> very fascinating. I bet you that there's somebody on Rotten Tomatoes like this is why it's a 60. This is why. <laughs> well, yeah. So I one of the things I like compared this to is a, a park at Disneyland. Like it, it hits your pleasure buttons. You're not totally sure why. You have a good time. You don't think about it too hard. Okay, I like mm. that comparison. And I think that's how this movie works best. I, th- I, th- mm. I think that's totally true. Yeah, it's very. It, yeah. it is a fun ride. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, any other scenes? Whew, no, that was it. I'm just fascinated by the the possible historical significance of this movie. <laughs> um. So I want to talk about the scarab beetles for a minute. Okay. We talked about yeah. Them before. But they're in a lot of scenes, and they are very scary. Like, the way they move, this was before all these fast-running zombie movies, but it's almost like that. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very, like, it's a separate villain in this that is just not connected to anything. Yeah, it's just this terrifying antagonist that could, like, pop up at any time, anywhere. Yeah, it was, Yeah. yeah I, like I said, I hated those. Those things scared me as a kid. And the little like chittering sounds they make. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh gosh. It's so, yeah, that's, it's the, cause even like the zombie kind of ideology, like your mind is like, you know what? Best case scenario, I sprint and run away. They're all slow, but then you can't outrun the scarab. It's like, uh, well, gosh, world war Z, the Mm. mummies that like sprint and climb over each other and can climb over walls. You're just like that. If that happens, I'm done. If scarab beetles (laughs) are the, the next plague of 2020, like we're done. We just lay down and you say, you know what? I'm accepting. I'm falling into the silky arms of death. This is just the way that we. This is just how I. This is how I die. <laughs> the silky arms of death. <laughs> um, but yeah, the scarab beetles were another thing. I feel like makes it a horror movie. Where mm-hmm. like, there's not just one danger. There's not one villain. There's danger everywhere. Yeah. All oh. around them at all times. And that's so mm. true for both Offset, too, because, like, cast and crew members had to be, like, helicoptered out so much because people were getting bitten by snakes and scorpions no like, all over the set. Really? Yeah. I don't know if y'all saw this, like, kind of speaking of danger, that Brendan Fraser almost died doing this movie because really? the scene where they hang his character, he he actually, like, like, something went wrong and he actually stopped breathing and they had to resuscitate oh. him. Yeah, like, he, like, he almost died doing that stunt. Oh my gosh, dude! Yeah. So again, like these movies beat him up, but uh, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, which like there's definitely safe ways to go about doing that. Like you don't have to actually show 
the body drop. I get it. It was a cool shot, but I mean, like, you could definitely just cut to him already, like, dangling, but right. have it safe. Yeah, That's, really. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like they were actually exploring an ancient pyramid with all the damage that happened <laughs> yeah it was it was it was this month this uh, movie is actually funded by like some sort of like grant money to for, for, for his, like, <laughs> academic purposes they were actually exploring schools. something yeah disguised as a movie that's hilarious so and terrifying I did, I did actually think about how back in the 90s when this was made we were like culturally obsessed with ancient egypt at the time I don't know if you guys remember that. There were a ton of books. There was a lot around King Tut and his tomb being explored. Yeah, there's yeah. there's definitely those kids in schools. Like there was kids that were obsessed with dinosaurs or like Egyptology. Egypt. Mm. I remember going to my fourth grade teacher and saying, "Can I study Mesopotamia?" <laughs> cool. Um, I was definitely one of those weird kids who was all about Egyptian mummies. There were so many kids that were. It was always like the best part of social studies when we finally got to that. Mm. Yeah, so I this movie is almost kind of like archaeology propaganda. Like, I wonder how many people went into archaeology yeah. growing up on this movie. <laughs> I mean, I and this movie surprised. is also trying to. I felt like this. It, it was like really trying hard to be like Indiana Jones at some points yep. too. Yeah, but I almost feel like in parts it's better than Indiana Jones. Whoa, and that's I, a hot I take. I love Indiana Jones, but <laughs> it depends on which Indiana Jones you're talking about. That's true. I just feel I'd... like. This is closest to Raiders, which I would mm-hmm. also say is basically a horror movie, but the tone mm. changes it. Mm-hmm. But this one handles things better. Like our hero is cooler and nicer and funnier. And I, I don't know. I would, I'm someone who, who is of the opinion that Raiders of the Lost Ark is, it's not a perfect movie, but it's close. So to say that it's comparable to Raiders, that's high praise. That is high it, it praise. It is, though. I think there's a lot of things that work so well in this that Indiana Jones future movies, which you know they're going to make. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I think they're this. making a fifth one. Yeah, yeah, they're making a fifth one. Because yeah. I know they were originally going to pass the torch on to Shia LaBeouf. And yeah. then Harrison Ford was like, <laughs> Harrison Ford has like, you can't make Indiana Jones without me. I am Indiana Jones. <laughs> Also, uh, I don't have a good. That good as as Indiana. Sorry. No, no. he wasn't. He he, he, he wasn't. he's a good actor. He just it was in a time where he was kind of having an identity crisis. He's more of a Leo. Like he's not the star of yeah. the series. Yeah, totally. I could see that. I like. I could see that. Serious and emotional, and he doesn't crack jokes at mummies. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> I get that. So before moving on to the message of the movie, I have two little trivia bits I want to shoehorn in because they were so interesting to me. Okay. Uh, so Oded Fair's character, who is the the main magi that's like uh, w- w- with the hair and the face tattoos, uh, his char- his character name is Ardith Bay, which you wouldn't know at all because they don't say it once in this movie. But mm. when I went back and rewatched the 1932 movie, Emotept has an alias named Ardith Bay. And Ooh. so I thought that was such a cool little like Easter egg in this that they named him Ardith Bay because that was Emotep's alias in the in the original movie. Had to share that. Um, cool. And Levi, you're going to love this. I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, Orlean. Um, yes. But okay, so good. One of the <laughs> <laughs> so one of the extras in this movie, I think it was maybe one of like the the diggers for the American crew, possibly. But one of the extras in this movie, you know, they're wearing like these robes. 
One of them was, in fact, the same robe that Alec Guinness wore in Star Wars as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Shut your what? mouth. It was the same, because they used the same, uh, uh, they used the same, like, wardrobe uh, department, and it was the, and it just wound up being, they don't know which one it was, but they're like, oh, yeah, like, like we checked out the Obi-Wan robe for that mummy movie. And they're like, <laughs> what? We did, how, we had that? How do you have, how do you have access to that? That's like. Right. That's like, it's like gold. It's like, you're like, you know what? We're just going to check out the Declaration of Independence real quick just to use for this movie. Like, uh, what? How do they have access to that? I would literally go get into the Hollywood scene just so I could be like, you know what? I'm thinking about making a movie. I'm going to check out all of this Star Wars stuff. And then it would be me in a big, like, in a big room with nobody there just being like, oh, my gosh, Alec Guinness's robe. Oh, my gosh, it's the lightsaber. Like, how do you? How do you have access to that? So, I mean, that's a really cool tie to Star Wars that just makes this, you know, that oh, much more I fun. Oh, I love it, dude. I freaking love it, dude. Alrighty. So, I love this movie, and I think that, I definitely think that there was some deeper messages to this besides, you know, the fun action flick we got at the surface. Um, I, I, I guess I'll just kind of just, like, lead the floor with whoever wants to go, but did any of you kind of get any sort of message or theme or moral lesson from this? I mean, every time I watch a movie like like this, like an exploration type movie, I I feel like the moral of the story is, don't go tearing up an old burial ground. Like, I I I, I mean, I immediately thought I think that this is my, I think this is the second podcast in a row that I've referenced Suicide Squad. But I always think of the scene in Suicide Squad. Or, or Orlene, have you seen Suicide Squad? No, I haven't. I, it, this doesn't spoil anything. It's a, it's kind of in the the prologue, the the opening scene, and the kind of tomb explorer gets like these special powers because she goes into the dig site and sees all of these old like kind of canisters or whatever, and she literally takes like an ancient canister and like twists the head off of it and breaks it and then like a spirit kind of overtakes her it's within like the first 10 minutes of movie but like if you're an actual explorer why are you walk around being like oh my gosh this artifact i'm going to open it i'm gonna break it and see what's on the inside like no you don't do that like it's like this is how old is this stuff so you're walking around like with dynamite like blow and i know they <laughs> that's how they used to do it back then and being like we need to see what's inside this tomb bring out the dynamite pow and like you know they're hoping gold falls out mm. but like you don't do that like come on yeah i don't know just just for the sake of history like even if you don't believe in like curses or whatever um i just like why why you why you just destroying this stuff like come on i don't know that at least that's my moral like let let the mummy sleep <laughs> yeah i i was gonna say this was like an anti-message movie but i'd agree much like every horror movie ever <laughs> like don't disturb this shit yeah yeah and i i almost feel like it is based on what like you were saying the actual historical record where people did this and sure a mummy didn't like come out and try to end sure. the world but it could have happened that's basically what <laughs> yeah. this movie is saying like it could totally have happened. <laughs> yeah. you don't know yeah definitely i kind of had that same thing too and i kind of felt like that there was this definite like undertone of being like there's anti-american or anti-western ideology through this and anti-colonial that's a yeah. good one too i because i felt like that because as like the plot progressed so like we had like the two camps we had evie in her camp and then the americans in their camp and yep. evie's camp was more successful in this movie but i kind of saw that 
as the plot progressed, Evie's camp became less and less American. And I felt like the first point of this was shown when, when the boat sank or caught on fire and they got separated because the O'Connell's American, but he immediately has to trade out his horses for camels. And Mm -hmm. I felt like that was like the first step for them kind of like being immersed into changing ideologies Mm -hmm. and being like, this is being more in line with the, the actual culture of things that they're uncovering and, and, uh, exhuming and kind of like not so much like anti-archaeology but kind of like you know a fine line between um wanting like finding stuff for preservation versus like gr- greed or you know things like the americans were looking for like because they're because they called it treasure and evie called it by its real thing like like looking for the book of amin ra so it wasn't treasure mm. it, she was calling it by its real thing so that's kind of like what I was getting from this. Yeah. So you made me think of an Indiana Jones reference and probably not the one you'd imagine. But Evie is kind of like Indy in the shitty way where they both think things should be in museums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like removed from their locations. So I don't know that Evie is actually better. We just like her more. But she takes shit to the British Museum. It's true. Yeah. She definitely has like a more she has more reverence for it but yeah at the same time it's kind of like do we need to actually take stuff away and put it into a completely different country like you were saying like a museum far away yeah right like i i don't know how much this goes into the sequels but also they like have this shit just around their house in the next movie oh Oh, yeah i totally forgot about that (laughs) oh my gosh artifacts lying around their mansion um so i I don't know. Like, I almost think this is still archaeology propaganda where archaeologists were like, yeah, put this in the movie. And then when we teach them archaeology, they'll never do it. (laughs) Yeah. I actually took an archaeology class in college. Um, I took it my freshman year, my very first semester, because I needed a credit for something. The hardest class I ever took. Oh, my God. Really? It was Mm. incredibly difficult. And it's because it was like an intro class, too. So and my professor was very much like, I don't put notes online. You got to, like, memorize all this shit. I'm Indiana Jones, blah, blah, blah. And so it was he like thought he was just so fucking cool. And he was a dick for like half of the semester. And then he he warmed up to everyone halfway through and was actually like a really nice guy. But yeah he like thought he was indiana jones for like a while and he would always kind of be like archaeology isn't that much fun i never had anybody write i love you on their eyelids i've never (laughs) he kept like referencing indiana jones i was like dude just leave that at the door like you're making me wish i was watching that movie instead of stuck in this lecture right now yeah that's so weird also one thing we didn't talk about and it may be in the sequel so correct me but o'connell is like maybe not american I'm not sure. Not it's been actually, a really long time since I've actually maybe seen Maybe never a been in America. Maybe had parents who were from America or England, but like grew up in an Egyptian orphanage. Is this all in the sequel? It's been so many years since I've seen the sequel. Okay. I actually don't know. Okay. But anyway, like O'Connell's <laughs> not American, which is sort of my point. Uh, I mm-hmm. think they did that specifically to try to tie him more to Egypt mm. so that it doesn't feel like he's coming from somewhere else and like invading. It's more like he belongs here in some way yeah mm. definitely i did notice like the tattoo that they had on his hand in this movie because i think that's a big he's, part in the sequel he's part of the or his parents were part of the like mejai i think this is all in the sequel though <laughs> <laughs> well this is a perfect segue to actually talk about sequel talk so 
um, we kind of like to pretend, like, just kind of ignoring existing sequels, just based on everything that's presented in this movie, should there be a sequel? Um, so, yes, there should absolutely be a sequel. And part of it is because you could do so much with a sequel. You don't even have to stay in Egypt. Like, there are Indonesian mummies, Peruvian mummies. You could go around the world and have different mummy adventures. Oh, interesting. Or you could just hang out in Egypt and, like, spend your time in Egyptian history. Like, there's so much potential here. I like mm. that. I like that. I, I didn't think about keeping, like, the mummy as the thread for, like, other movies. Just kind of, I just kind of thinking more of, like, Indiana Jones terms. Like, there's something else that they're after. Yeah. But, yeah, I like that. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm the same. I think, yeah. I think this, there's... If I if I saw this movie and I did not know that there was a sequel, I would immediately think, oh, yeah, there's probably going to be another one. I, like, this, there's no way this is by itself. I'm going to take it a step further and say, just based on our conversation, right, like, in this podcast, I think we need a prequel to figure out why the heck there's some, there's these, like, oh. Yahweh God plagues happening through Egyptian priests. Like, what, like, what's going on? What is the relationship? Is he, I, like... What what are what are the connections? Who's I don't know the the deeper meaning behind it all. Instead of the uh, mummy, it's just called like the human because it's like pre mummy. <laughs> <laughs> the priest. The priest, yeah, the priest. Which by the uh, way, Emotep doesn't get mummified. He just gets wrapped up. Like they don't actually. It's like torture death. Yeah, so he's not actually a mummy like, well, like the rest definition. of them get mummified all of his like his his helpful whatever you know what the people that were helping him that were all painted they mm-hmm. like they got mummified alive so it, i mean it's it's i guess another level i'm not sure but yes i would love i i'm gonna say a, a prequel just because i know that there's already a sequel but i'd love to i need we need we need some answers <laughs> i'm definitely going to agree with both of you that if even if the return of the mummy didn't exist i would say that this absolutely should have a sequel and i really like orlean's idea of them just going to different parts of the world in uh discovering those mummies even though we kind of just talked about this whole anti uh not anti-archaeology but kind of like anti just uh like stealing things grave robbing i don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. but um well, you could make it so that they're like in-country teams who are discovering things it doesn't always have to be like americans are coming in to find something <laughs> that that that's actually that that's the correct approach to go about that there we go <laughs> so what um i remember when i was a kid really enjoying the sequel movie but i haven't seen it as an adult uh you seem a little bit more uh up to date on it i've consumed a lot of these movies maybe more than other people <laughs> um, i i really love the the actual sequel the mummy returns and part of it is because it puts Rachel Wise and Patricia Velasquez, who we didn't talk about, at the forefront of the movie. And they're basically these, like, sword-fighting badasses for half the movie. It's mm. awesome. I, I remember enjoying it when I was a kid just because of their... Because they have a kid in the movie who who's, like, a kind of, like, the center... A plot device. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a, a plot, plot device. device. <laughs> plot device, yeah. Uh, Levi, I think just so you know, like, their kid puts on this bracelet that's stuck on him and, and now just hanging around their house and now emotep has like kidnapped their kid and that's, they have a kid together yeah, yeah. In, in the sequel yeah oh dang like they move to england and she works at the british museum or something and they have a kid and then they get drawn back into another egyptian adventure and o'connell finds out about maybe his like mysterious parentage there's a lot wow. in the sequel like there's a lot of stuff going on like mythology that they added in but emotep comes back mm-hmm 
Yeah. Wow. And it's also the first movie for uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. His first movie was Return of the Mummy. Okay, but the CGI <gasps> You're in that right. one yeah. is so bad. Yeah, they, they butchered you him. You can't even tell it's him. That's how bad the CGI is. Yeah, he looks like peanut butter coming out of like a toothpaste uh, dispenser or something. <laughs> they uh, did not do him well in yeah. that movie. No. But it's cool and it has more adventure. I love it. Oh, that's where he's playing the Scorpion that, King. That's playing Scorpion okay, King. okay. It's all coming. Okay, it's all coming full circle. I always thought I I knew about it's the, the same universe, the, Levi. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew about the yeah. Now it's all coming together. I always thought that the Scorpion King was like a. a I know about that CGI scene because it's like classically okay. one of the worst CGI scenes like ever, uh, or at least people say it is. Uh, I thought the Scorpion King was a separate movie. There, no. th- it, well, isn't there a spinoff? whole like spin-off series of just the scorpion king that went straight to vhs oh i thought that Maybe. was the mummy three the mummy three it's actually like... went to theaters um, what is oh. this series <laughs> stuff in here people love it there's a lot of property and i think that's for, like, hilarious for like the whole like scorpion king diverse they <laughs> diverse I, I think like they just keep pulling in like different wrestlers for like each movie no mm. yeah I'm pretty sure, and it's like less CGI, I think, because it all went like straight to VHS. But that one is more like prequel s stuff, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I I don't really like the Scorpion King stuff. I mean, it's again horror movie. He's like a half man, half scorpion, half life size scorpion. <laughs> it's terrifying, and then the CGI just makes it so much worse. Yeah. But but the cool part is the women sword fighting in Egypt. Awesome. Although it would be great if either of them were uh, of Egyptian descent in any way. <laughs> mm. I um, I think, Orly, you mentioned this to me yesterday, but there actually is a animated series of The Mummy. and it's, Yeah, I had no idea. I watched that when I was a kid, and I, if my memory serves me correctly, it... it, it it's at the point in life where, where the kid is there, so like it's, it's like yeah. their family, and I... I might be wrong, but I have this memory of Benny being back in that series. But... I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> Obviously, like I consume a lot of mummy content. <laughs> I consume a lot of mummy content. That's great. It, I remember it being on par with like the Jackie Chan Adventures series. I don't know if y'all watched that, mm. but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, weird cartoon shows. But yeah, those, <laughs> that was that was my childhood. But uh, yeah, it was kind of on par with that. If uh, listeners out there know that show, it was on par with that well uh any other final thoughts before we kind of wrap things up great movie um i'm gonna have to get in and watch this the other stuff because oh my <laughs> gosh i had no idea that it, the scorpion king and all this other like i'm way behind i need to catch up on all that <laughs> yeah how did you miss all of this the first time around i i don't know i have no idea because it is so <laughs> famous and well known and it's kind of has a cult following i don't know how i missed this but now i'm on board i, got, I gotta get on this Awesome. Well, thank you, Orlean, so much for joining us. This was a blast having you on yeah, to really. talk about this. And you're obviously somebody who really likes this movie, so that's all. Yeah, I do. Mm. I, I almost feel conflicted about how much I like this movie because I could probably do an hour on my own podcast about it being problematic <laughs> and cliched, but I still love it. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Would you mind uh, kind of just uh, plugging your podcast, let people know where they can find you? Sure. So you can talk to me about books and mummies on Instagram <laughs> at Spoopy Sisters Read. 
and on Twitter at Spooky Sis Read. And you can find Spooky Sisters Book Club, the podcast, wherever you're listening to this right now. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again uh-huh. for coming on. This was a lot of fun. And I got to say, your podcast yeah. is great. You cover books, short stories, novels, like uh, comic books, too. I think you just did a graphic novel not, not too long ago. So you cover also anything that's written, tablets, you know, whatever. You, whatever. Tablets. If anyone wants to send me a tablet to read, I'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. And I just want to give a the last little note if people haven't gone back to seeing the 1932 or the 1959 mummy movies go back and watch them especially the 59 it was amazing so yeah but thank you again this was a lot of fun yeah thank you so much for having me all right and we'll be back next episode when we're talking about the faculty Mm-hmm. really excited to talk about that and this would be your first time seeing it levi so yeah i haven't i haven't seen it yet you've 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 spoken very highly of it it's great it's a great movie did you grow up under (laughs) a rock like actual under (laughs) a rock i i am learning more and more as i do this podcast that i think i did like i thought i watched a lot of movies (laughs) but i'm realizing more and more of how many movies i have not seen am i patrick star yeah that's a that's i might be i might be in fairness there's a lot of movies yeah there are yeah there's a lot of classics i haven't seen either so oh boy well thank you everyone for checking us out and be sure to go check out orlean on her podcast spooky sisters book club bye guys bye of Film on the Rocks obviously enjoy a great download. Here's another. Substitute Angel, the multiple award-winning novel by Timothy Best, is now available at audible.com. While driving home in a snowstorm one night, paramedic Doc Watson hits a deer that runs across the road. At least, he thought it was a deer. It actually turns out to be an angel, sent to prevent the murder of a young woman in the small northern Michigan town where Doc works. Now injured, she can't complete her mission, so she recruits a very skeptical doc to intervene to try to save the young woman's life. But in the process, his life gets sucked into a whirlpool of danger and startling realizations. In Detail Magazine wrote, Timothy Best weaves a touching tale evoking belly laughs and sobbing tears of joy that most novels only dream of producing. Substitute Angel is available on paperback, ebook, and now an audiobook. Substitute Angel by Timothy Best. Downloaded on your audible.com app today. And now, on with the show.